progress that we've made thus far. Uh, and so I would suggest that the real fighting begins after the fight is over. The real fighting begins after the fasting is over, after the prayer chain is over. No, that's not the end of it. No, that's the beginning of a new walk, of a new dimension in God, of a new anointing, of a new place that you've never been before. And if we're not willing to fight, we're going to slip back into our old self. And we don't got time to slip back, do we? No, Jesus is coming, and we got to draw closer and closer to him. So we got to keep on preserving and fighting any progress that we made. The real fighting is after the fight is over. It's after the fasting is over, after the sacrifice has been consumed by fire. Uh, uh, that's when it really begins. And so the lights in the ring and the show that is performed, the dance that happens there for those few hours or days or a uh, uh, week or so is exciting and it's encouraging and it's uplifting. We're, we're in the midst of this and we're, we're driving, we're going forward with a purpose. And, uh, but uh, after everything's off and the lights are turned off and, and, and life is supposed to go back to normal, uh, that's when the battle really starts to begin. And if we don't understand that concept today, then we can uh, lose the progress that we're making in God. Uh, and so that is my uh, plan and purpose today is to remind us, hey, we're just getting started. We're just beginning to see what God wants us to do. God's just beginning to open doors and, and windows and opportunities. And, and we got to keep pushing forward and to see where God is leading us. And so that's where the pressure to preserve our progress is felt. It starts with today and tomorrow. We felt a lot of pressure and, 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 and effort was given last week to, to prepare for what we prayed for on, sun, on yesterday. But now the real pressure begins today. And it's not going to feel like it was last week. It's almost kind of silent, right? Uh, the devil really comes after you when you're preparing, but once you break through, uh, he's, he's going to take a step back because you've reached another anointing. You, you've reached a, a, a fur, or you got closer to God, and he doesn't want to be anywhere near you. He's going to flee for a bit, and so he'll let off a little bit of pressure. And he, maybe he's thinking, oh, they'll just slip back in their old way, and that'll be okay. I'll, I'll let them win their battle as long as they slip back to their old lifestyle, their old ways. Uh, that's okay if they get baptized as long as they don't come back again or they go back to that old life uh, uh, and so the devil will be okay he'll step back for a little bit to see what you're willing to do are you willing to preserve the progress that you made or you think it's all over and you just uh, put down your guard and that's when he really likes to come after you and so that night after 15 rounds Joe Frazier gave Ali his first loss and Frazier could, could still hold on to his title as heavyweight champion of the world. The bout was over, but there were more fights that would come. Less than two years later, Frazier would fight another 
undefeated fighter. You see, there's always a, a young fighter that's coming up who's undefeated. And so just because you made it to the top doesn't mean there's more that are coming. Just because you cut down that devil or de defeated that giant doesn't mean that, that Goliath does not have brothers that are going to come after you. Uh, and so that's why we got to keep on preserving the progress and, and keep on fighting and keep on uh, our guard up because it's never really over. I know you don't really, uh, that's, that's the, you don't really want to, to think about it like that, but that's the only way you, ha you have to think like that. In order to survive, in order to make it to the end, you got to fight the good fight of faith, right? He doesn't say just fight for a season, no. Fighting the good fight of faith is for all of our life, uh, and so we always got to be preserving uh, the progress we're made. And so two years later, Frazier would fight George Foreman. Two minutes into the first round, George Foreman knocked Frazier to the ground for the first time. Here, Frazier went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali. And now the next battle, within two minutes, Frazier is on the ground for the first time. After he was knocked down a sixth time in the second round, the referee called the fight and said, this is over. George Foreman just grilled Joe Frazier, and he hasn't stopped since. I had to throw that in there. Joe Frazier had a great victory and, and defeating Ali, and, and he relished that moment for two years. Two years, he was untouchable. He was uh, the best of the best, and, uh, but uh, he took down the king. That he, I beat the greatest that there was, and, and, and maybe he thought that there wasn't any more battles to fight, that there were no more adversaries to train for. I don't need to go back to the gym, and I don't need to keep conditioning myself. I, I, can, I don't need to pray as hard as I used to. Uh, I, I don't need to fast as much as I did last week. Why? Because it's all over. No, I'm here to tell you that it's just beginning where God is calling us, where God is trying to take us. Hey, we're just at the starting line today, and we got to defend where we've come from, and we got to keep preserving our progress. And so after all, maybe Frazier thought that, hey, I just defeated a lion. Like, what, what's going to come next? A bear? Yeah, right. Uh, and so the, the biblical account of the fight of the century is told a little bit differently, but it certainly was one for the ages. The showdown takes place not in Madison Square Garden, but uh, in a place called Mount Carmel. It was there that the prophet Elijah set up the fight he told Ahaz to gather all the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Grove and to meet him up there. And they would settle the dispute once and for all, who is the greatest? Who is the one true God? And, and mind you that Elijah is the one who arranged for this fight. He was the one talking, trash talking if you will. He had the backup to, to, to back him up, so that's, that's all right. If you, uh, if, you're, if you have the backup, then I guess it's all right, right? Um, but uh, uh, Elijah is the one who called this uh, fight, and he was all by himself. 
And the only other person that was with him was his servant. And so as far as Elijah knew, Elijah believed that he was the last person in all of Israel that was living for God and was still uh, holding true to, the, to Jehovah, God of Israel. God later reminded him uh, that he wasn't the only one, but uh, that's what he believed at this point. And so, um, and so he believed that he was the remnant. And so everyone else in Israel had forsaken God. And, and sure, the, the vast majority, 99% of them uh, uh, appears to uh, have forsaken God. And uh, Elijah believed that he was all alone. Now, uh, you would think that if you were the very last one to hold on to your faith, that you wouldn't call attention to yourself, right? If everybody else has, has backslid and everyone else has uh, stopped going to church and uh, no longer faithful to God, you would think that, hey, I'll just, I'm just going to stick to myself and uh, I'll remain hidden so that you'll be able to preserve the faith and the, to pass it on to the next generation. And uh, one wouldn't think about asking uh, to be in the spotlight. But Elijah wanted to set one thing straight even if it was his last act, his last dying act, and that was to proclaim from the mountaintop that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's the one thing that Elijah wanted to get straight, even if it cost him his life. Hey, my dying words are going to be Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Even if he had to stand there alone all by himself against 850 false prophets, Elijah did not back down. He did not shy away from it, but courageously he asked for this meeting. Why? Because Elijah knew that even though he was by himself, he knew that he was never alone that God was there with him and that God would always be there with him. As long as you're on God's side, God will fight for you. Can I tell you that the enemy is always going to try to intimidate you. He's always going to try to point out anything he can to discourage you, to pull you away, to get you down from that mountaintop and to draw attention to the details that are in his favor. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't need to listen to what the enemy says. You don't need to worry our friend about that because God is with us. We are the people of God and he, we are on his side and God is for us. Who can be against us? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he who's talking to me, trying to get me down, trying to get me to fear and discourage. God is greater than the devil and so I don't have anything to worry about. If God is for us, who can be against us? Deuteronomy 20 says, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, it doesn't specify who they are. Your, our enemies are the enemies of God. And so as long as you're going out to battle against the enemies of God and you see horses and chariots and, and people more than you, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee. And so that's all we got to worry about. God is with us. It doesn't matter how many there are, if there's 400 or 450 or 850. No, God is with us, and his word tells us he is there with us. 
Psalms 20 and 5 says, we will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners, the Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Uh, Now know that I, uh, that the Lord saveth his anointed. What other verse do we really need? Now know that I, I, that the Lord, saveth his anointed. And so if you're anointed of God, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, we know that God is going to save his anointed. Uh, That's something that we can just put on a banner, put in our our mirror in our bathroom. Hey, the Lord's going to save his anointed. Uh, What else do we need to worry about? He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Uh, They are brought down and fallen, but we, we are risen up and stand upright. You see, the people of God should never be brought down. We should never be the one discouraged and hang our head. Why? No, we are risen, and we are the ones who are standing upright. We're standing strong. Why? Because we have God on our side, and He, we know that he's going to save his anointing and always be there with us. We are the ones that have the victory. We are the ones who are risen and standing up, and we have God on our side. We don't need to fear, even if we are all by ourselves, because God said, hey, if you can count them and they outnumber you, don't worry about them. I'll fill up the rest. All we need to do is to speak the word of faith and and fire will fall down from heaven and and God will show himself strong. You see, the battle is not ours. We think it's against us and them. No, it's against God and his enemies. We're just caught up in the middle and we got to choose a side. Hey, I choose to be on God's side. I choose to be on the victory side, the undefeated side, who's going to go, who has all power in heaven and earth, and he's going to defend his people. He's going to defend his cause, his name, it's his glory that we're defending. It's not us. And so it's never about us. We need to realize it's not has to do with me. And whatever they say or whatever they do, hey, they'll skin off my bag. Hey, you, got, you're, you got an answer with God. And so all as the prophets of Baal went through their vain rituals and chanting, uh, chanting and dancing and cutting themselves and, and destroying their bodies, You see, the people of God, we don't do those things, do we? We don't destroy our bodies. We don't cover our bodies. We don't paint our bodies. Why? Because the Bible says our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And so why would I want to do anything that the the infidels do, that that the enemies of God do who, 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 who destroy their bodies? It's it's always amazing to me how people would 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 never think about graffiti and are spray painting a church building, yet they'll go and graffiti their body every day. Clearly, they don't have an understanding of Scripture because uh, we call this place the house of God and, uh, you know, rightfully so, but really the house of God is our body. Uh, And so if we have more reverence for this building than we do for our body, we've got a problem. And so if we won't paint the, if we won't graffiti this wall, why would we graffiti our body with tattoos or, or makeup or anything? Why would we cover, artificially cover our body for things uh, because that's what, uh, that's what the idolaters did. Those are all those pagan worship. You want to worship God? Let's see how you treat your body. That'll tell me what God you're serving, right? 
Because God gets glory just in our body the way we are because he made us. He made us and said, very good. And so we start covering ourselves up with artificial man-made things where, where uh, it's for the glory of God. And God says, why, I don't need any help from you. I do things just good. And so you don't need to cover yourself up or paint yourself. Why? Because you're hiding something. You're hiding behind the natural thing that I made for you to be. And so uh, the, this is what the Baal, prophets of Baal did. They, they were doing destroying their bodies uh, in their temple ceremonial worship ways. And so um, uh, you would think that after all they, they did and they gave for their God, Baal, you would think that he would at least help them out a little bit, right? I mean, they, you read about it, they really, they almost committed suicide uh, trying to get the attention of their God. And um, even if the interest they got matched the interest from the bank, they'd at least get something, right? Uh, it... it isn't that just like sin, though? It demands so much of you. You give your life to sin. You sacrifice for it. You, you bleed for sin. And what does it give you in return? It gives you death. It gives you death in return. Why would anybody make such a trade? And really, after all that you did, you're just going to throw me under the bus, sin and devil? Yep, that's what I do. Uh, sin will use you and abuse you and move you and then move on to the next victim, leaving you for gasping for help. And so I'm here to tell you today that God is not like that. Our God will, will turn your life around. He'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll take your, your sins. He'll take your brokenness. He'll give you healing. He'll give you, uh, the, the, uh, the, he'll give you joy for mourning. He'll do anything to help turn your life around because he is uh, the healer. He is a deliverer. He is a way maker. Uh, and so that is why uh, we come to him with open arms. And so if you haven't encountered God, I'm here to tell you you're missing out. No matter how good we think we have it in this world, we have nothing when we uh, compare it to what God has for us. And it starts with repentance. It starts with turning away from that vain, selfish life and asking God to forgive us of our sins. And then we uh, want to draw closer to God, take that next step. And it's encountering, uh, making a covenant with God because you're getting baptized. You're taking on his name in your life, being baptized in Jesus' name. And there he'll wash away your past failures and mistakes. And you get a fresh start and a, a new path to take. And then you get to live this life that uh as he fills you with his spirit and he powers you to live the life he's called us to live. Uh, and so this is such a critical step in, the, in your walk of faith that God wanted to be sure that you would not forget about that experience when it happens. Because the Bible tells us that when you speak in uh, other tongues, that's when you are born of the Spirit. And so there's no denying it. There's no mistaking it. There's, it's a supernatural encounter when the Almighty Spirit comes inside of you. And think about it. The all-powerful Spirit of God. The spirit that moved upon the face of the waters and, uh, and look what we have now because God's spirit started to move and, and, and God got into action. 
the Spirit of God that when it came upon the men of old, they started prophesying. They, they lost all control. They, they would speak things and other things. Even, even King Saul in his early life, the Spirit of God would come upon him and he'd just start prophesying and, and preaching and talking about godly things. And, and so we see biblically when the Spirit of God comes in counter with a human being, uh, we can't contain it. We can't control it. When, when God gets a, truly gets a hold of us, we, we, we lose ourselves. But nowadays, nowadays you expect us to believe that when you say a prayer and you accept Jesus as your Savior and you fill out your he- heavenly registration card, then, then, and, and you're all good to go. He comes and lives inside of you. And then, that there's... Uh, there's no denying the power of God in this place. And you want to tell me that uh, all of this that we feel in uh, the praise and worship service on the, on the outside of our bodies, when that happens to go on the inside, you're telling me that we're, we're, we're calm enough that we can fill out a registration card and say, hey, uh, I've been saved today. Uh, that's a lie from the pit of hell uh, because the Bible says, hey, you're going to know you know, when you've been speaking in tongues. You're going to know when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and been born of the Spirit. Uh, and so what we feel here today, God has for each and every one of us. And so if you haven't encountered that or experienced that, you're still missing out. There's still things you need to uh, grab a hold of. But it's okay. It's all progress, right? We want to continue making progress. We don't ever want to st- uh, settle uh, for what, uh, where we're at in God because God always has more for us. And so, uh, so the prophets of Baal give their all to summon their God, and, and nothing happens. Elijah's uh, trash-talking, saying your God's on vacation. You need to talk louder. He's here. He can't hear you. All of these things. Uh, and, and now then it's Elijah's turn. He repairs the broken altar um, that's been forsaken. He gathers 12 stones res- resembling the, the 12 tribes of Israel, gets a lot of water. He covers everything. He wants to make sure that God really gets the glory in this. And so uh, to make sure when the fire falls that the prophets of Baal said, well, we, there are some sparks in there. Baal put a spark in there. And, uh, you know, your turn just happened to be the right timing. So Elijah says, hey, I'm dousing everything. We're, we're starting over here. Uh, there's no going to be uh, no, no little uh, mistakes made here. And so uh, he douses everything with water. And uh, Elijah separates what they did from what God is going to do uh, by a bunch of water. And that, that, that's a foreshadowing uh, and a type of baptism. You want to separate yourself from the old world, you, gotta, you need to get through the water. You need to get buried in the waters of baptism. That's going to put a, a separation, a barrier between you and the prophets of Baal. And then the fire is going to come down in your life. And then there's no going to be arguing or misunderstandings because the power of God is going to come down in your life. So Elijah prayed a simple prayer. The fire of God fell and scorched the place, and people fell to their knees in repentance. Elijah told him to kill all the false prophets, and they did so. And so the fight of the century, one man walked up by himself against 850. And at the end of the first round, that one man was victorious. Victorious. I think every one of us would a would have rather like would like to be there that day to see all that happen, right? I mean, it's it's 
quite the story to read about, and you try to imagine it in your mind. But what a what a what a day to be there just to watch everything happen, um, uh, you know. And then then we got the other thought about hey, uh, how would how cool would it be to actually be Elijah, to be that that person uh, there doing that. And as great as an event it was, the fighting was not over. Really, that was just kind of the beginning, as as we're talking about preserving progress. But Elijah thought that was it. It's over now, right? We're victorious. God's, the people have repented, and uh, we've killed the false prophets. And uh, he thought it was all over. That's it. And he, what Elijah does is he lets his guard down, takes his gloves off. He puts away his sword. It's all over, right? I'm the champion. And when Elijah gets out of the ring, he's caught off guard. Maybe he thought that maybe he would be carried, uh, carried off on the shoulders um, and maybe, you know, the city would throw a, a parade and they'd have a ceremony and officially give an Elijah to this key to the city or the key to the nation or whatever. I don't know what was going through his mind. But instead of being greeted with popcorn and confetti and all these things, Elijah gets a message that Jezebel is going to kill him. I mean, here you are, you're on the top, and you just conquered. Yeah, I just, I'm undefeated champion, me and God. Uh, God did it all, but hey, we're, we're on the right path, and we just won this great battle. We went through all that effort and, and, and prayer and sweat and, and blood and tears, and we fought a good fight, and now you get down and you think it's all done, and then he gets the message, Jezebel is going to kill you. Talk about popping your balloons and uh, stealing your joy. And you would think that he just killed 850 false prophets. This one lady shouldn't be a problem, right? But instead of putting his gloves back on and preserving his progress and defending what he had just won, I mean, talk about take that victory, man, take that momentum, and you just go down and you, you go, well, okay, uh, okay, Jezebel, let's meet face to face. I mean, if God just did that, let's go meet with Jezebel then. Instead of doing that, what does Elijah do? He takes off running. He runs. He runs and runs, and he sits under a juniper tree, and what does he do? So he wishes that he could die. Elijah, what? You just, man, you just slew 850 men, and now... And now you want to die. What, what, what just happened? Uh, one day Elijah is running the aisles, and the next day he's run, wanting to die. What happened is Elijah misunderstood the battle. What needs to happen, what happens inside the ring is important, and we need to win. And we need to pull down strongholds, and we need to declare victory in our lives, and we need to have uh, prayer chains, and we need to have fasting and, and seeking the face of God and sacrifices. We need to have all that. But we also 
need to be ready to defend what we just did. The battle that we just won, we need to be ready to preserve it and to fight for it and to keep that momentum that we had because all too often do we have great Sunday services and we all come and gather together and we dance and we shout and we proclaim victory and then we walk out of those doors and thinking that the battle's over. Thinking the battle's over, and then Monday comes and a new challenger shows up. And boy, can we get discouraged, right? You show up to work, and you know, all hell breaks loose at work. And you, you, you're trying to gather thoughts like, God, we. We just had an awesome service, and, uh, you know, we just had a blowout service, and, and your spirit, and we, uh, you know, made consecrations and, and did all these things, and, uh, and then you show up Monday, and, and, and you're like, you're stunned. Because on Sunday, we danced and shouted like, like, like the victory's over, and then all of a sudden, uh, we get discouraged because we thought the fight was over. We thought that Sunday was the end, when really it's just the beginning, isn't it? It's just the beginning. And, and when one adversary is beaten, another is just waiting for his turn. When Goliath is beaten, his brothers are just waiting for another encounter to go after David, the one who slew uh, his brother. And so uh, we have to understand that uh, we, we are victorious. We are the people of God. And, and God wants us to have victory after victory after victory. But we got to realize that that is not the, be the end. But every victory is the end of one level and the entrance to another level. And so we have to continue moving forward to preserving the progress and be willing to fight and defend where we are in God. Otherwise, we're going to get knocked back on our heels and get, get back, uh, uh, back to uh, maybe to down to another level or whatever. And we can get discouraged. And so the battle to defend your victory uh, starts right after the victory. There's really no break in all this. And uh, the breaks that uh, are taken uh, often, obviously, they can be costly because momentum and, and all kinds of things can happen once we uh, kick back our feet and, and take a break. And so if we aren't ready for that next fight, if we aren't expecting, uh, then we too can find ourselves under a juniper tree wishing to die because yesterday was just so great and today is just so horrible. You see, when the, when the better boxer is declared the winner and the champion of the world, they are given a, a championship belt, a, a physical memento that represents what they have done, their achievements and how far they have gone and, and how they are, are, they are on the top, they are on the mountaintop. And uh, uh, we would find it strange if a victor, if the winner, we would find it strange if he received that belt, that trophy or whatever you want to call it, and he just left it in the ring and went on, went on with his life. And if he didn't take that home with him, if he didn't carry it everywhere he went and, and just showing everyone this is what I have and this is who I am. And, and in doing so, by, by, by keeping that uh, uh memorabilia, that, that trophy, that championship belt, by always keeping that with him, 
he's keeping his mind sharp. And attention, uh, his attention is on alert because he is ready to fight anyone that would come and try to take that from him. And that is the key to living a victorious life is you have to take your praise that you give here today. You have to take that with you tomorrow. Uh, you need praise on Monday. And you need to be worshiping God on Tuesday. You need to be seeking the face of God on Wednesday. You see, everything that happens here on Sunday, we need to make sure we take it home with us because that's where the battles really are, aren't they? They're really there on Monday morning and they're really there Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday night and that's where the battle really is fought is not necessarily in here in the ring but outside and if we leave everything in here if we leave our praise in here and our worship in here and we don't take that with us our, uh, we think that it's all only happens here and that's why when we're, when we're at home and we show up to work we can get caught off guard because the spiritual battles should only happen at church right that's where victories are won at church. No. Victories, are, victories can be won every single day. God doesn't just give us power on Sundays. No, we walk with God every day. Every day we have power and dominion and authority to bind and to loose. And so victories, there should be more victories outside of church than in church, right? We're out there six days a week. We're only here one day a week. Uh, so there should be six victories and, only, and one here on Sunday, right? But if we only think that victories are won here, then what's happening the rest of the week? Say, hey, hey, devil, I'm not fighting. Today's Tuesday. I can't fight you today. Do me a favor. Meet me at 11871 Plantation Road on Sunday at 11, and we'll talk then. You see, if we don't understand the battle and the, the well, what, what's going on here, we can easily lose ground that we've fought so hard for and, and prayed extra for and sacrificed extra for. And yeah, it's hard fasting three days uh, uh, for, for a prayer chain, but, but why would I want to uh, this week, why would I want to just uh, go back to not doing anything and, and lose, uh, lose out on what well, progress I've made? No, the, the battle starts today, doesn't it? It was a great day yesterday and a great week last week, but hey, today is a new day, uh, a new battle. Battle, and we got to continue fighting for the progress that we have made. Otherwise, we're just kind of walking in circles, right? Exert three, three energy and then lose three energy because we don't do anything to keep that energy. And so we need to make sure that we are always in the mindset of preparing to fight for whatever ground that we have gotten because... Uh, someone, some devil, some giant, or some circumstance is going to be waiting for us many times at least, at least expected. I mean, he's not going to be waiting right outside in the foyer. Hey, church is over, and it's time to continue on. No, he's going to wait and see, let your praise, uh, you know, your temperature uh, get back to normal and, you know, calm yourself down a little bit because the last thing a devil wants to do is uh, encounter an apostolic who's on fire, right? Yeah, that's a, he's going to flee real quick. He's going to keep his distance. But when our fire, we let our fire start dwindling and going out, that's when we may see more things happen in our life. Uh, and even, even, even if we're on fire, if we're really uh, trying to push through and God's really got something for us, we can face adversaries as well. So whether you're hot or cold, there's always going to be a battle, right? We always, obviously, the best thing would be always to be hot, right? 
on fire for God. And so that's what happened some 2,000 years ago uh, on Palm Sunday. Uh, people came and they, they lined the streets and waiting to usher in the Messiah uh, into Jerusalem, the city of David. And, and boy, were they ever having a service. And they were shouting and dancing and singing praises and Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, and uh, they were running the aisles and throwing down their coats in the streets, and uh, bobby pins were become darts flying over the place, and uh, shouting and dancing in there, breaking heels and shoes, and uh, everything was going on, going crazy, a blowout service on Sunday. And no devil was around on Sunday. There's a clear path. Our Savior's here. Make way. The Messiah is coming. And we're giving glory and honor to God that is due because our King is here. And up to the mountaintop we go. This is our time. This is the battle. We're, we're in it to win it. And, and, and man, did they have an exciting event. And that uh, is all that it was. Just an event. Just a show. Just a, a gathering for a few hours. And then they all went home, a single day, a single fight. And then they thought it was all over. Jesus is here. It's his turn. I mean, let's, he's here where he needs to be. They left their palms in the ring. They left their coats on the ground. They left Hosanna in the ring. He's going to do it. They left their praise and their worship on the streets, and they went home empty-handed without anything. Because what good are these branches going to be do uh, are going to do me now? Because I, I've I've already exerted my praise and given God praise, and so He doesn't need it anymore, right? So Palm Sunday came and went, and then Monday came. The palms were still on the ground. Tuesday is still there, and. Nobody's claimed him, and the street sweepers broke down, and he's on vacation, so they're still there. A remnant of what happened on Sunday. And so now it's Thursday, the palms, they're not in the streets anymore, because somebody's gathered them up. They gathered up all of yesterday's praises, and they took them, and all of yesterday's service, and they filed that away in the history books. And Jesus is now back in the spotlight. But this time, he's now in chains. Not what was on Sunday. It wasn't like that on Sunday. People were praising and worshiping on Sunday, and man, he was the king. Thursday shows up, and Jesus is in chains. A new crowd has gathered to see him. However, this crowd is not shouting Hosanna in the highest, but this crowd is crying crucify him, crucify him. And nobody was there from Sunday. Where was, ever, where was the Sunday crowd? How is it that everyone that was there was crying crucify, kill this man, 
Where were all the praisers and worshipers uh, from Sunday who you couldn't, you couldn't lie in the streets because it was so packed and busy and that everybody showed up on Sunday because they thought that was the day. But what about on Thursday when Jesus needed somebody to say, hey, I'm here, Lord. Don't be afraid, God. I'm still here. I'm still going to give you praise and I'm going to worship. Why? Because I know the battle is not just one day a week, but every single day I got to show forth praises. Every single day I'm going to give you worship uh, because this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, we are called to exalt him and praise him and to lift him up. Um, but, the, but the palm praisers on Sunday, they were there, man. It was a great service. But where were they on Thursday? Battle's over, right? We'll see you next Sunday, Jesus. Musicians, if you would come. And so nobody was there to preserve the progress that was made. And what a day to come into this, the, the city of Jerusalem. And what a day to, to keep that momentum going all week long. Why stop at a day? Let's have, uh, let's have Palm Sunday. Make it Palm Week. Every single day the king is here. The king is here, right? Uh, we, he, he deserves more than a, a few minutes of praise and worship, right? He deserves a week of our life. He, de, he deserves all of our life every single day. And so let's not contain it just the one single day for a few minutes a week that we give him praise. No, every day should be praising him. And every day we should be worshiping him. Why? Because we got to preserve our progress that we made on Sunday. We're not going to slip back and go back home and, and then we lost everything. Nobody was there to continue the triumph that they had. No one was willing to keep on fighting to protect his crown. Instead, they allowed people to take his crown and give him a crown of thorns. I bet you there was, there was more praisers than there were crucifiers. But the praisers weren't, weren't there, were they? You imagine if that crowd... I mean, it was such a crowd because the entire city of Jerusalem said, Who's, what's going on? They were out of town. They had no idea. They were, they were so disconnected from God. But yet here comes this, this massive parade, uh, multitudes and multitudes of people. Uh, the king is here. The king is here. Had they only been there on Thursday. I mean, we know that's the way it had to be. We, didn't, we don't need Jesus, Jesus being saved by some praisers. I mean, uh, we needed him to die. Otherwise, we would not be here, right? And so God knows everything. But... Uh, uh, and so if we don't fight for what we have, then kind of we leave it all here in the ring, right? We leave it all here, and then somebody else can come and pick it up, right? Because we're not holding on to that. We're not guarding that, are we? Uh, and so somebody will come and try to take it, an adversary that's waiting in the shadows, and he may not show himself on Sunday because we've, we're dancing and victorious and shouting and raising our hands in victory, but he'll be there Monday. A new contender will be there on Tuesday. And if we don't understand that, hey, God, I just, I just defeated this giant. Why, why do I have to fight again? That kind of mentality is, is a losing mentality. We need to be fighting and slaying giants and say, who's next? What devil's next that's going to come after me and come after the church? Why? Because we're on guard and we're looking and we're ready and we're, ready, we're praying and we're ready to, to meet whatever uh, adversary comes against us. But we have to be of the mindset that we have to preserve our progress. We stand with me today. 
Jeremiah 35. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the, the son of Jos Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them. Bring them into the house of the Lord and into the one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. And then I took Jeniziah, uh, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, uh, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was by the, above the door of the uh, Messiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will not drink, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the, the son of Rechab, our, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build a house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of, our, of Rahab, Rahab, our father, uh, that he charged us to drink no wine all of our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters. And so to give you some kind of context of this, this thing, this proclamation that uh, their father made, great, great, great father, it was almost 200 years ago. We're talking 200 years later. 200 years later. In verse 18, Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he hath commanded you. Thus says the Lord of, the ho of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. And so what happened was... Rechab said to do, don't drink wine the rest of your life. And anyone hereafter in this family, we're not doing that. 200 years later, God tells the prophet Jeremiah to go offer those guys some wine. Let's see if they're willing to preserve and fight for the progress that had been made over the, over the, the, the years. And the time and sweat and effort that was put into it. And, and uh, you could they could have easily said, well... That was, you know, a couple hundred years ago. You don't got to worry about that anymore. But no, they said, no, we're not going back. We're, we're, we're maintaining our progress. We're continuing on our, our consecration uh, to, the, to our Father. And God honored that because they would not go back. They were still willing to fight for the progress that they made. And God said, uh, there's always going to be somebody from that family that will be in my presence. There will never be, uh, never want a man to stand before me. Why? Because they're willing to fight for the progress. Progress. They're not willing to back down, and that's what you and I need to do. Uh, that's what a mindset that we have. Yeah, yesterday, last week was over, but we don't need to push that aside as some kind of disconnected single event. No, everything we do is all connected, and we got to keep on pushing forward and fighting for the progress that we made. Otherwise, the, the effort you put into fasting last week, if we don't stand today and say, no, I'm not going back, because 
what we did last week is pushing us forward. God's not calling us backwards. God is calling us forward. And so we've got to be moving forward with a mindset, hey, whatever comes our way, we are victorious that God is on our side and we're not going to back down. We're not going to give in, but we're going to keep on fighting. We're going to keep fighting and pushing forward for the progress that we are making because God has greater things in store for you and for this church. And we can't sit back and wait for it to happen. No, God said we need to go forward. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I'm going to give you. There's victory lying ahead. We may just have had a victory, but hey, there's more victory. How many believe that? How many know that revival is coming? Revival is here, and we've got to be on the move. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's bind together and believe. Let's let our praises out. Let's worship God. Let's stand before the Lord today, knowing that this is what we're doing today. We're going to take home with us.
today we're going to take this with us all right we're going to be praising and worshiping tomorrow and all the rest of the week and if, if you participated last week uh whatever you did last week whatever form of sacrifice you did that helped get you to here today and so if you fasted the three days or the one day or whatever don't wait until the pastor or the bishop says we need to fast again before you fast again. If fasting a day got you here, hey, we need to keep that up. You got to keep that up and say, hey, I, I'm not waiting for anyone else. I'm going to fight for this level that I'm at. A new ground in God, I got to keep on fighting for progress. If you fasted three days last week, don't, don't let it be too long until you fast again. 
There's individual responsibility in all of this. I can't tell you every day to go to do this and this and this. No. We should be leaning upon the Spirit, and God will tell you, hey, you probably should be fasting today. How about you go, uh, you fasted a week last week. Let's try two, day, two days this week or, or whatever. But as long as we're moving forward, we're going in the direction God wants us to do, right? The level of commitment and sacrifice is not always a one-time thing, but everything is connected, right? We're going forward in Jesus' name, and we're going forward together, right? In victory and revival, amen. Let's let's fight what we what we've got. Continue to go forward in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Let's walk out of here in victory and be victorious all week long. Doesn't matter what devil shows up this week. Hey, we're victorious in Jesus' name, and we're going to rebuke them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because we have the victory. We have the power and authority. Amen. God bless you all today.